If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Go there, Ephesians chapter 5. By the way, I want to just uh, give a little report on Dallas. Um, we launched our new service there Sunday at 3 o'clock, and we'll continue to every Sunday at 3 o'clock right there at 2760 Emmett. And um, we had a very good showing of our people. Thank you all for all of you who came out and served faithfully there. And uh, besides all the cleanup, just being there, we had five new faces there that had never been a part of One Cause Church. And uh, we had 55 total. So a uh, good start, good launch. It was good to see a lot of family there to support uh, the new work there in Dallas. And I want to encourage any of you, anytime you want to come out and be a part and serve every Sunday at 3 o'clock, just... Uh, Good idea is to right after church on Sunday morning is drive through somewhere, grab something to eat, and come out. It's great. You want to see, I want to encourage everybody to come out and see it. It's just fabulous. A lot of excitement in the air. Uh, we had a communion together. We all came up to the front, got in a circle, and had communion together, broke bread together, and consecrated and the place to the Lord. And uh, I'm expecting big things. Amen. I just received a word from uh, a very dear friend of mine, Pastor Kip who, uh, you know the scripture where the men had been fishing all night and had caught nothing, and Jesus was standing on the shore, and he said, have you caught anything? Have, have you haven't, do you have any fish? They said, we've been fishing all night. He said, cast your net to the other side. And when they did, they brought in a great number of fish. And uh, he just spoke that word to me, and I realized that that's what we're doing right now. Not like we haven't caught anything here, but we're catching more. We're casting our net even to the other side, down to Dallas area and, and uh, catching more. So thank you. Thank you for that word. That's very timely. Amen. Everybody well? Yeah. You look well. Good to have Sarah back with us. She was out of town. And we're in Virginia, right? Seeing her family and good to have you back home. What else? I feel like I'm forgetting to say something. Pastor Evitt's looking good tonight. Yeah. Good to have you with us at One Cause. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to continue in our show. I believe that w this is part 11 that we are in. And, uh, oh man, I'm excited about this word tonight. Verse 8, let's just delve right into it. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And, for the, and we finished actually with that verse of scripture last week, but I wanted to go back into it. Remind us a little bit about what we talked about. Paul began to talk about the separation of where we were and how we used to act as compared to what we are now and how we're supposed to act, right? That now that we are light, notice it, it says we are light, and now we walk as children of light. Just like the Bible teaches us that we are righteousness in Christ, so now the fruit of that is Righteous works, good works, all of those things are fruits of righteousness. So he says, this is what you were. Remember we talked about all that list of things. He talked about fornication. He talked about um, other sins. You know, I don't remember all of them. None of them are good. All right. For you. And he says, these guys, liars, and these guys will, are not they're sons of disobedience, right? And what they're going to do is they're, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He said, this is what you were, but this is not what you are now. Hallelujah. You were in darkness, but now you're not. So now you've got to walk as children of light. See, the, and we talked about the, how Ephesus was a strong city of, of idol worship. 
and how that, that men would, how the uh, sex was used as worship there to the goddess Diana, and the women would sit in the temple, and they would, they would fix them up uh, in such a way as, and then sit down and, and have their, their, their uh, skirt or their robe, whatever, tight like this. They would kind of sit, can you say Indian style anymore, not offend anybody, you know, like this. And then a guy would come in and flip a coin over on that uh, dress, that article of clothing, and then she had to go um, do what he needed her to do. And she would actually take that money and not keep it for herself, but then she would deposit that into the temple as an act of worship. And so they used this, and they believed that, that, that act, those, those perversions, those sexual acts, were actually a fulfillment to the body from the goddess Diana. That way she could be god of the, the flesh, the soul, and the, and the spirit. Just terribly perverted. All right, so they use this as worship. And then here, we're gonna get into a little bit more here about what Paul is dealing with during the, in this time. Um, uh, verse nine, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. If you have that, if you are able to underline that in your Bible or highlight that on your in, in your Bible on your your electronic device, do that. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. All right, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. How do you find out what is acceptable to the Lord? Well, we have lots of ways to do that. Number one, we have His Word, which teaches us that by faith we please the Lord. Yeah. Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it is impossible to please him so that we know that faith has to be intact. In we have to have faith in order to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. We also know Romans chapter 12 says, we beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All those things are the ways that we please God is by presenting our bodies to him, renewing our minds to his word, and walking by faith, all right? Those are a few ways that we can please the Lord. But look at this. Finding out what's acceptable, I want you to listen to the Amplified Version for once, for a second, uh, these uh, verses 8 and 9. It says, For you once were darkness, but now you are light, and the Lord walk as children of light. That is, lead the lives of those native born to the light. For the fruit or the effect, the product of the light or the spirit consists in every form of kindly goodness, uprightness of heart, and trueness of life. And I want to talk about those three aspects for a moment. The kindly goodness, uprightness of heart, and trueness of life. How many of you grew up hearing from your mom or your grandma or somebody about the golden rule? All right, can anybody tell me the golden rule? All right. Do unto others you would have them do unto you. That's something that is said regularly in our house to our children, especially our teenagers. Treat others as you want to be treated. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. I love this verse of scripture. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So the Bible teaches us that as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. As we have opportunity. And can, let me just say this. You always have opportunity. The moment you encounter someone, you have opportunity. There's your opportunity right there. 
And this says to do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. So what this teaches us is that grace is always the answer for us to give. Another scripture says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So grace and goodness are the answer for every man. That is, what, that is the fruit that we give to every man. All right? Goodness. Grace. So this says... To good, do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. Now, let's not forget that our brothers and sisters, the people that God has connected us to in the kingdom of God, are the people that we are especially good to. I mean, it's important that we see it like that because a lot of times we think that we have to neglect our brothers and sisters to go after, to, to treat somebody out here better hmm? and act like, well, they're in the kingdom of God. It doesn't really matter now. It does matter. It says, especially to those who are in the household of faith. All right? So we look out for one another. We bear each other's burdens. All right? This is, let me just say this. Uh, this first thing that says kindly goodness. Everybody say do right. All right? Do right. This is, how, this is everything to do with how you treat others. Now this next thing says uprightness of heart. Everybody say be right. Be right. Be right. So do right and be right. That is that you have it in your heart. Number one, Uprightness of heart is a heart that's full of faith. Yeah. Hallelujah. Uprightness of heart is a heart that's full of faith. See, God has already made your heart right. But it, we're talking about your spirit. But you have to maintain that, that, um, that uprightness by a conscious effort. By your understanding that it's, it's one thing to, ha- to know that God has done it for you, but it's another thing for you to understand that that's what it is, that what, that's what God has done for you, and that you're, you have a different standard. You have a different way that you see things. You have a different way that you talk. You have a different way that you, that you, that you, uh, you, you act, and all of those things come out of this abundance of the heart, as Jesus taught us. So we keep our heart in this uprightness of heart. That is, if you look it up in the, in the uh, Greek, it means the uh, correctness of thinking or feeling and acting. See, by being, this is about being willing to always change. Not just change for change's sake. We see how that's working so far as a nation, right? Or I'm talking about changing to what the Word of God has proclaimed over us, all right? Yeah. Changing to change is real change. But changing so that you can know the truth, that's real change. Because the truth is what's going to bring the real change. The truth is what's going to really set you free. So notice this. To be right is to continually have the understanding that nothing that you feel, nothing that you think, and nothing that you do can ever be elevated above the truth of the Word of God. Because the moment you're, you, you act on your feelings more than you do on the truth, the moment you justify how you feel over what God has said is the moment that your life starts going in the wrong direction. The mo- moment you, you, you elevate that thought in your mind, I mean, and you feel completely justified to think that way, but it goes against what the Word of God has said is the moment you get off the truth. All right? Now listen, I understand. I understand that there are times when you f- you feel justified or you think that this is this is right. But the Bible always teaches us as as believers that that those kind of rights don't belong to us. We have a right to follow Christ. 
to imitate God as dear children, as the beginning of this chapter talks about. We have a right to forgive. You remember when Jesus, in Luke chapter 17, I believe it's chapter 17, he said, if your brother comes to you and if he offends you, and then he says to you, I'm sorry, or I repent, he says, forgive him. And he said, and then if he, did it, if he does it again and says, I repent, you forgive him. And then if he does it again and says, I repent, forgive him. Matter of fact, every time he does that, forgive him. Uh-huh. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you going to feel, are you going to feel like this guy after a while is, um, is sincere about what he's telling you? I mean, your thinking is going to, it has the tendency to get out of whack here, right? You think, this guy has no intention of ever changing. Uh-huh. He's going to continue to do the same thing over and over again. So I would like to actually see something a little bit more than just hearing you say, I'm sorry. Try begging. Why don't you get on your knees and beg for a while? Let me see some sincerity here. Maybe give me a $100 bill. Show me how sorry you are. Take me out to a steak dinner. You know, this is, these are the kind of things that we feel like if, if they're really sorry, then they'll prove it by their actions. Okay, hang on. If Jesus is telling us to forgive them when they say, I'm sorry. Psh, ah, I'm sorry. Psh, I'm sorry. Right? Then he is not going to give us a standard that's different from his standard. He's not going to make you live up to one thing and him live a whole different way. Because I'm telling you, I don't know how many times I've heard the phrase, now you've got to really show God you're sorry. You can't just say, I'm sorry, God, and that be enough. You've got to really mean it in your heart. You've got to really be sincere. Right? Well, I don't see that in the Scripture. Because what Jesus taught me was, is that if he'll say it, if he'll say it, that's all I need. If we confess our sins, what does he do? He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we speak it, if we say it. Now, why is that just as good as anything? Because, see, God loves to hold up his word. As a matter of fact, that's, he holds his word even above his own name is what the Scripture teaches us. See, God takes words way more serious than we do. He takes what we say very serious because he takes his own word serious. Right? But he also knows this that your life follows your words. And that if you'll say it, then you'll give your life the potential to actually live it. Yeah. It is important to say it. Uh-huh. It is important to say it. Are you hearing me today? Uh-huh. All right? So, that, I went off somewhere there. All right. Uh, getting back to, so these feelings, that's what I'm saying, that'll keep you in check. All right? That'll keep those feelings in check and that wrong thinking. We have the ability to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We have, we have the power to bring every thought into captivity. And if we have the power to do that, then that means we don't have the right to think about whatever we want to think about. You can't just let just, you've got to take control of those thoughts. God has taught you how to take control of those thoughts. And if you're really going to be right, then you've got to learn to get your thinking right. Right? Hmm? You've got to learn to control those feelings, not allow those emotions to go nuts. But to rein that stuff in and say, no, 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 oh, I'm not going to act like that. I'm not going to elevate my feelings and my thinking and my actions above what the Word of God has taught me. 
All right? This is the standard that we live by. This, this is the truth, and we're going to stay on the truth. All right? So this is about being right. This is how you find wholeness. Hallelujah. Now, let's look. Continue. Look at this. It says, to, uh, um, in every form of kindly goodness, uprightness of heart, this is verse 9 amplified, and trueness of life. Everybody say, be real. Be real. Be real. I think I was talking to you all about this some time ago, about um, the way we approach God a lot of times. You know, some of you had the same experience I did. I was raised in Pentecostal church, and along with Pentecostalism comes a lot of emotionalism. Right? It's, just the, it's like they go hand in hand. Right? If you're not ecstatic, you're not Pentecostal enough. Right? But I, mean, I love all that. Uh, I, let me say it. I love some of it. I won't say I love all of it. I like excitement. I love all those things. But not just for the sake of doing it and making noise. Right? But I think that we all ought to, I mean, think about this. If you ever read the book of Revelation, it's loud. Heaven is loud. That fr- throne room is loud. It's exciting. All right? But this kind of, this kind of idea that we're living our lives, we're going along, and when we go into prayer, we step into this great God and all of thy glory and majesty. Thou who hast strewn the stars in infinite, uh, you know, just like, what, what happened to you, man? You, were, you can talk to me normal, and then all of a sudden you approach God or you step behind the pulpit and you turn into somebody else. Right? I am very grateful to be raised in the home that I was raised in, to have the parents that I I have that not only taught the Word of God, but lived it too and continue to live it today. That my dad loved rock and roll music in a time, in a time when rock and roll music was not accepted in the church. I mean, it was called the devil's music. And we had a guy that was actually in our church teaching us that it was the devil's music. So he would grab all of us teenagers and he would take, and he'd take us and he'd put us in this room and he'd pop this, v, this tape in. Y'all remember the v, v, VHSs? And pop that VHS in and we would watch this show. This guy was exposing rock and roll and he was exposing uh, the demonic message in rock and roll. And they did that thing called backward masking. Y'all remember that? And so they'd play all these songs backwards, right? They'd put in a, a band like Rush or you know, a queen or somebody like that. And then they start playing their, their song backwards. And this guy would start interpreting what they were saying, right? And so we're truly trying to hear the devil talk to us here through this music. And so this guy's interpreting what they're saying. I cannot tell what, the, what they're saying. I mean, it sounds like, that's what it sounds like to me. But this guy's going, this is what they're saying, right? And he had to have a guy teach us Look at all the energy put into this. We had to have a guy teach us what the devil was saying. And I love the band Petra years ago who had an album called More Power To You. And it had a song on there called Judas Kiss. And it starts off with this music sounding backwards. And then if you, and, and if you put the record, you know, you stop the record and you begin to spin it the other way. And when, and when you backward mask that little piece in front of the song, they said, what are you looking for the devil for when you ought to be looking for the Lord? <laughs> I love that. 
right? So we're trying to expose the devil all the time in rock and roll music. And, and of course, I'm living in a pastor's home who plays screaming rock and guitar, you know, and loved Jesus with all of his heart. I thought, no, 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 no. I believe that you can do both things. Matter of fact, who created all this music? Who started all this? Who created all of this? God. God gave rock and roll to you. Kiss had it right. God gave rock and roll to you. (laughs) And so what I realized was my parents were not jumping on all these bandwagons. It's funny how over all these years the church just jumps on these little boycott everything, right? You hear something's, you know, I don't know. It's like all the time we're looking for something to judge. We're looking for something to attack all the time. Why is that? And I think people are sincere. But where is the light that's shining here? What message are we bringing to the world? I mean, the church was one of the leading Voices out there in Y2K telling everybody to store up extra food and water and gasoline and build a cave in the ground because the end of the world was here. I, my parents didn't do that. You know, my, you know, we always live by, I can always hear, hear my dad, I continually hear him say, at the end of the day, what does the scripture say? At the end of the day, what does the scripture say? That's what we live by. That's the real thing. That's the truth. This stuff, this stuff comes and it goes. Comes and it goes. Comes and it goes. And what was such a what seemed what seemed such a, to, to be such a noble cause, gone. Because it had no validity, it had no truth behind it. Just trying to rally together for what? Be real. Let's be real lights. Let's be real lights. Well, what does a real light look like? We exalt Jesus. That's what the real light looks like. That's the truth. We just exalt Jesus. We exalt him. Yeah, but there's so much sin out there. Yeah, there's so much Jesus out there. Where sin abounded, Jesus took care of that. Grace much more abounded. Amen. Let's talk about that abundant grace. Hmm? Amen. If we're going to really bring a message to this world, we can all... Talk about, oh, how bad the world is. Oh, how much sin there is. Be encouraged, church. If there's that much sin, there's that much more grace. Hallelujah. Let's get our minds on the real thing. Get our minds on the victorious one, the one who broke the back of the devil. Hallelujah. Who rendered him powerless at that cross. Who broke the power of sin over mankind. Hallelujah. Let's spread that message that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Hallelujah. He was buried and he rose again. We're going to get into that right here. All right. I mean, y'all remember, the, y'all remember the time that it was, I mean, there was such a big, when I was in Bible college, I remember the biggest argument was whether they really drank wine or not. Really, is this, this is what we come to Bible school to figure out? I remember one time when they, somebody told me, well, if it was real wine, then uh, the only reason they did is because the water was bad. 
Okay. So Jesus can turn the water into wine, but he can't turn the water into good water? Okay. That makes sense. (laughs) Well, all right, let's continue. Verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Here we go. But rather expose them. You see this? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And what's sad to me is that people stop right there on that verse and say, see, we've got to talk about it. We've got to tell them that they're in sin. We've got to tell them. Okay, hang on. Let's go to this next verse. For it's shameful to even speak of those things. Oh. Okay. We got to talk about it. Well, this says it's shameful to talk about it. How do we do it then? How do we do this? How in the world do we, how can we let them know just, <laughs> just how sinful they are? Gosh, why do we got to let, why do we want people to know that so bad? For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Hmm. Lord, help us. Verse 13. But all things are exposed. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by light. Oh, for whatever makes manifest is light. So we just turn the light on. That's all we do. See, we don't go there in a dark place and go, man, is it ever dark in here? We don't go into those sinful places and go, this is so sinful in here. No, we turn the light on. We turn the light on. We show the goodness of God. And that's how the darkness gets exposed. Not out there talking about what they're doing, but walking in the light. Talking about what Jesus has done. All things are exposed. That are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Let's go to verse 14. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, I've got to give you another scripture to go on based on that thought. Are you still with me? Steve, go to 2 Corinthians 2, back there on the computer. You shine your light, and others who are in darkness will see their own darkness. Years ago, I started a band, a rock band, when I was attending Christ for the Nations. And uh, we were called the Violent. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. That was our scripture, Matthew eleven twelve. 12. And after we graduated Christ for the Nations, me and my friend went back to West Texas, and we gathered a couple other guys. My brother was our lead screamer. And uh, another guy named... Darren Valentine was our bass player, and so we started playing. We started playing in the bars around there, and uh, we just wanted to be a light in a dark place. And there was this particular place called the Spotlight, Heather's favorite place to go. It was a rough place. It was a rough place. You may ever, you may ever see, I don't recommend you seeing this movie, but there was a movie called Roadhouse years ago with um, Patrick Swayze. Um, it was... It wasn't quite that violent because they didn't have, the band didn't, we didn't get chicken wire around us. We didn't have that kind of protection. So we'd be up in this corner playing, you know. I mean, it was rough, rough, rough folk. And uh, 
And we would play just about every weekend. And the place was called The Spotlight. And it had a little nickname attached to it that everybody in town knew it as The Bloodbath. Because every time that place was open, somebody, I mean, violence happened in the place. There were fights. I, we saw a guy get stabbed in his eye one night, but a guy broke a beer bottle and stabbed it right in this guy's eye. I mean, it was, and we're up there playing music like, wow, this is crazy. And that, you know, seemed like an ambulance was coming in all the time or cops were coming in and breaking up stuff, you know. And I have to say it was entertaining for us, to say the least. Because as the night wore on, you know, that liquid courage flowing in these bodies, you know, things just got a little bit more crazy. And we didn't drink. So we'd be up there, and the, and the, the more drunk they got, the more entertained we got as a band. And we drove them. It, it's a, it was a little scary being who we were there because we never played any songs anybody knew. <laughs> we played all our original stuff because we were determined. We were going to forward. We we're going to pioneer a new path, right? You know, that's a hard road. Especially in a place like that, you know, because they want to hear their kind of music. I mean, we played that kind of music, stuff they didn't know. And my brother would just get creative. Along about the 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock hour when everybody's good and drunk, he would just yell, all right, who wants to hear some Zeppelin? And man, they'd, yeah! Then we'd just play one of our songs, right? (laughs) And they're so drunk, they don't care. They're out there trying to sing it with us. you got their beer mugs in there, you know. So we just had fun with that. Anyway. But there was a particular lady there that ran the door. We'll call her Patty, because I think that's her name. <laughs> Patty, Patty ran the door, and she was there, bless her heart, she was there every weekend. You remember her? And uh, I don't know, we'd maybe been go- playing there six months or so. And we'd always hear things like this. People would all, I mean, somebody, somewhere, during the night, we take a break and say, something different about you guys. I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's something different about you. All right, stick around, cool. And, and that's, that's kind of just how we started, just having people say, there's something different about you guys. Well, Patty came up to me one night, and she said, all right, what's the deal with y'all? I don't ever see you drink. And every band, everybody that plays in a band here drinks. Do you guys never drink? What's up with you? Are you Christians? I said, matter of fact, we are. I said, as a matter of fact, tomorrow morning, most of these guys up here tonight are going to be playing in a band in church, leading people in church music. She was like, what? I said, yeah. When we get to leave here at 2 o'clock in the morning and get home, by 4, get in bed, we've got to get up about 7 and get to church and, and for music practice, and we'll be there. I said, you want to come? She said, yeah, I want to come. So I told Patty about our church time, and she came. She came to church that next morning, and she gave her life to Jesus. And she started bringing her husband. Her husband was, was one of the worst guys actually there in that bar. And she started bringing him because he got sick. He got cancer. And... He, didn't, he couldn't be around that, that environment anymore, so he just decided to go with her. And before long, he gave his life to Christ. As a matter of fact, he gave his life to Christ when he got in the hospital. And me and the assistant pastor went and visited with him, and we prayed with him to receive the Lord. And just a few days later, he went, went on to heaven. And Patty got involved in church. She got saved, and then at that time, we were busing these street kids in on Sunday afternoons. Man, that was a wild time, wasn't it? 
these, we'd go into these neighborhoods and, and, and do what they were called sidewalk Sunday school. And we had this van that, was, that had the side that somebody made a stage of it. It would open up like that and turn into a stage. And we'd just do a little concert there in these apartment complexes and the projects there and invite people to get saved right there and tell those kids that tomorrow or Sunday there'll be a bus come by here at this certain time to pick you up and bring you to church. And I mean, it, they started piling on the buses. And the kids, and Patty got involved in that ministry and was leading kids to Jesus. And to this day, as far as I know, she's still out there in that church serving God. God. All she saw was a light come on. And she said, what is this? What is this? You just turn the light on. You just turn the light on. All right? Go in and talk about it. I know you too. <laughs> and you're not evil. But we turn the light on. Wherever you are, ladies and gentlemen, you're a light wherever you go. Yeah. See, that, that job that you have, there might be a reason why you're the only Christian there because God's got you there to be that person. There might be a good reason yeah. for that. Amen. I mean, it'd be nice to just work with a bunch of Christians, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll talk to you after service today and tell you what that's like. Second <laughs> Corinthians 2.14. Let's look at this. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Now, listen to this. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God... The fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So we are to God, notice that, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Here we go, verse 16. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. So to the lost, think about this, to the lost, to those that are in darkness, you smell like death to them. So don't expect them to like you. Because you don't smell like your death, you smell like their death. Because when the light comes on, that darkness is exposed and all of a sudden they start feeling different. They're not comfortable with their condition when the light comes on. And this says to those who are saved or being saved, it's life. See, we come here tonight. We all have something in common. We all, we all, all, all found God. We all gave our lives to Christ. We all gave in to his wonderful grace and received his grace. And we all understand that when we come here to this place, the word of God empowers us and strengthens us and invigorates us and, and, and refreshes us and reheats us. Hallelujah. This is the microwave service, right? We get reheated during the middle of the week so we can keep on moving forward in strength. But, but we all also understand this, that we're going to spend eternity with each other. Look at, look at your neighbor and tell them, forever. You're stuck with me forever. You're stuck with me forever. All right? <laughs> but there's a day. But, the, but on the other side, on the other side, it, it's, it can be very troublesome to those who are perishing. They don't like this. Verse 
My dad, when he got saved, he told me, he said, all my friends just went away. I mean, we were friends. He said, they all just went away. They didn't want to be around me anymore. Because it smelled death. Take your Bible and turn over to Acts for a moment. I'll finish with this. It's only 8.04. Acts. What does it mean, Dad, when the pastor looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing, son. <laughs> Acts chapter uh, 8. Matter of fact, let's, let's go there and then back up a little bit to, to chapter 7, the very end. And chapter 7 is all about the first martyr of the church, Stephen. Verse 57, then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, Acts seven fifty-seven. cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Verse, chapter 8, verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church that was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. This, this moment... This moment where Paul the Apostle is watching this young man named Stephen, just a deacon in the church, crying out as the stones are being hurled at him and not giving in and not refuting his testimony about the Christ. But then he heard his last words, don't lay this charge against them, and then fell asleep. And Saul heard that. And it's like something went off in him. This rage went off in him. See, all of a sudden, the darkness in his life got exposed. He didn't know how to deal with this, with this guy. He didn't know how to deal with it. He, he would not recant. Even though they were, he was dying, I mean, he knew that, I mean, like people know today, that man will not die for a lie that he knows is a lie. And yet this guy is saying that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and he will not refute it. And they're beating him to death with stones and he won't give in. And all the more it says, don't lay. And then he has the gall to say, he doesn't say, my blood be on your hands. He said, forgive them. Don't lay this charge on them. Just like his Savior did, didn't he? Don't lay this charge on them. And it started jacking with Saul. Started messing with him. And he couldn't get it out of his head, apparently. So he just went nuts. He just... Thought, well, okay, well, we, we've got to get rid of this. This, is, I, this had to have kept this man up at night if he's any kind of human being. So he went crazy and started just dragging more, more people out of their homes, men and women, and just had to do away with it. And look at, look at chapter 9. Go to, go to chapter 9. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed and came near Damascus, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. 
Suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. It says that Saul went and asked for papers. A lot of people said that it was, these, it was the, the religious leaders that sent Paul on a mission. But this was all Paul's idea. He wouldn't ask permission if he could go drag these people out of their homes, if he could kill all these people. All right? So listen, to how many of you have, been, have had loved ones that you've witnessed to? That you've, you know they're not saved, so you've, you've tried to be a light to them and you've shared Christ with them, or, or close friends. Let me see your hands real high. All right? You've, you've shared. Now, how many of you have experienced they got mad at you? Hmm? They got mad at you. Uh, maybe in the beginning they didn't, that you tried to have, you know, somewhat of a, a decent conversation about God, but over time... They don't want to hear it anymore. They just get mad at you, right? Now listen, let me just say this to you. That's not the time to go, well, okay. Because that's the time something is happening, see? That darkness is being exposed, and they smell that death, and, and, and it, rah! Get away from me. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you about this anymore. That's the moment they're caught. Something is working in that conscience. That's not the time to go, well, never mind then. Go to hell. I don't care. <laughs> I told you. Right? That's the time to say, hey, 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 listen. All right? That's not the time to give up. All right? Something is happening here. Something was happening with Saul. And we see it. The moment that light shone on that road, as he's on the way to get more, look what Jesus says. Saul, Saul. Then he fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying, Saul, 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 why are you persecuting me? And what does Saul say? Who are you, Lord? He knew exactly who he was, but he didn't know who he was. He knew who he was, but he didn't know who he was. And then Jesus told him that he was Jesus of Nazareth. Now, this is not there in that text, but later on, Saul was re recounting that what happened. And he says that Jesus said to him, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth? Aren't you calling for me from heaven? How are you not Jesus of the right hand of the throne of God? How are you not Jesus of heaven? Because Jesus still connects. He's still a man. And he's still connected to that little town where he was born called Nazareth. So that we could all be connected to him. He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. I'm sitting up here in heaven, but I'm from this little town down there, a little dusty town called Nazareth. And Jesus revealed himself to him, and Stephen's prayer was answered, wasn't it? He said, don't lay this charge on him. So God said, okay, then I'll call him to preach. It's like Osama bin Laden getting saved and preaching. That's what it would be like. I mean, this guy was an absolute terror to the church, dragging men and women out of their homes. You imagine that happening now? Hmm? You would call that guy a terrorist. And this guy gets saved. I'm on your side now. Are you going to go, yeah, come on in, let's have some dinner, but, right? And you can understand why the church was feeling that way, like, ooh, didn't this guy kill all of us before? And it took a while, but you see what God did. He brought things full circle. He answered this, this, this man's prayer, but it was that light, see. He saw that the light came on, and Saul began to think, hmm, 
he began to see his own darkness. All right? All right, let's finish up. Therefore, he says, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you a See then that you walk circumspectly, or that is carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. How many of you know that we've got to really, really redeem this time today? You gotta take those opportunities, you gotta take those moments to let your light shine. Because time's passing us by all the time. I mean, it's just passing us by. My kids are, they just keep getting older. I keep getting more gray. Look at this. It's disgusting. Anyway. <laughs> so we have to take those moments. We have to carpe diem, seize the day, seize that moment. Be those who redeem the time. Make good of the time. There's plenty of people out there in this world that are, that are wasting it, right? But we as the church of the living God, we have been given these precious moments, this precious time. Don't take advantage of that time. Use it for God's glory. See what you can do. Don't forget. I, 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 I've told you this before. And I'm going to continue to tell you this. That today when you got up, that was a gift from God. This day that you're living in is a gift from God. And what you do in this day is your gift back to him. Okay? Now, Redeem it. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I love that command right there. Understand what the will of the Lord is. All right? We can know his will when we know his word. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. All right? Again, Paul is dealing with a subject of their time. Because that, the, the, the uh, Dionysius, or I don't remember the name exactly, it was the god of wine, all right? And so they believed that if they could get intoxicated, that, the, that Dionysus would, would basically possess them, and then they could do what they were supposed to do in their acts toward Diana, all right? And so this intoxication was really a, a, what they believed was the, that god filling them up. So he said, uh, uh, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. All right? Because this is not who you are. Be filled with, What does that mean, be filled with the Spirit? Well, there are lots of ideas about being filled with the Spirit. We understand, we know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? Speaking in other tongues. I love that. But this is being filled with the Spirit. And then it's, it has a comma right after, the, after that. And it's like he shows us what being with, filled with the Spirit looks like. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Ooh, isn't this good? What else does it say? Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And number 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. This is what a spirit-filled life looks like. And that, that term, be filled, is a present tense. It means continue to be filled. That really means to continue to be controlled by the Spirit of God. When you go to the gas station, who fills up the gas tank? You or the gas tank? Hmm? Answer, please. You don't know? You mean there's a chance your gas tank is going to fill itself up? No. No. You fill up the gas tank, don't you, right? This says be filled. That means you have to allow the Spirit then to fill you. Be filled. You cannot fill yourself. You have to be filled. And you be filled by the Spirit of God. See, it's not about getting more of the Holy Ghost. It's about the Holy Ghost getting more of you. Hallelujah. Because we got all the Holy Ghost we can stand. <laughs> we just need to give him more of us. Amen. 
Amen. I mean, God gave him all to you. You have received all things that pertain to life and godliness. Hallelujah. I just need more of the Lord. I need more of the Spirit. No, he needs more of you. Amen. Be controlled. Be filled by the Spirit. Amen. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always to the God and Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another for God. And I'm going to stop right there because verse 22 has a lot. We got a lot to say about verse 22. Don't we, Pastor Everett? Just flash it up on the screen, Steve, so they'll know what I'm talking about. Okay, that's a whole nother sermon, all right? So let's stand together tonight. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> You're just leaving it up there, aren't you? Huh? Tawana, he wanted to make sure you could see that. <laughs> she says, oh, I saw it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Won't you just lift your voice? If you do pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Let's just, let's just spend a moment here just thanking God and praising Him. Hallelujah. Your name is a... Spirit really is all we need. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that in you is life. In you is peace. In you is joy. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, for the fruit of righteousness, God. I thank you for a people here tonight, God, that they, they absolutely fruit goodness. They fruit truth. They fruit the, the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Because, God, that's who they are in Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you give us this opportunity to come into this place tonight to receive from your word, to praise you, to lift up the name of Jesus. Jesus, the name that is above every name. Lord, to remember again, hallelujah, that, that, that no matter the trouble that we are facing in this world, Lord, the tribulation, the trial, the pressure, Lord, that some might be under tonight, Father God, I think that we can come here and be liberated with our praise. We can be liberated in fellowship with one another, liberated, Lord, by praying with one another and encouraging one another, letting the Word of God fill us and lift us up, letting and, 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 and receiving faith as it comes to us by the hearing of the Word, hallelujah. God, I just thank you for encouraging your people even now, Lord, just strengthening them, Lord, with your might, with your power. Lord, I thank you, Father God, for renewing to them again hope and strength in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that in you is life and that more abundantly. You came to give that to us. And I thank you, Lord, for a church here of people who live the abundant life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we don't want to stop at anything less than what you've come to give us. We're here to receive everything that you have, God, so that we can be greater givers, God, so that we can be greater blessers, hallelujah, that we can be a greater influence, Lord. We choose to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our God in heaven. Hallelujah. Father God, thank you for giving us wisdom. Thank you for giving your people understanding, God, even as they cross others' paths, God, whether that's on the job, whether that's in, even in their homes, amongst friends. God, I thank you that you give your people wisdom, Lord, to know 
how to bring the grace of God into this, into this situation, how to speak it, Lord, what to do. Lord, I thank you that you help them, God, to, to lead people, lead people to the light in the name of Jesus. I declare over them in Jesus' name, no evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. For you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. Hallelujah. A thousand may fall at their side and 10,000 at their right hand, but it shall not come near them. Sickness shall be far from them in the name of the Lord. They shall be far from terror and far from oppression. It shall not even come near them. All of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. Lord, I thank you even tonight that when they go to sleep, that your word says that they will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make them dwell in safety. How many of you here right now have been wrestling with that? You've not been getting good sleep at night. Just raise your hand right now where you are. I'm going to pray for you. Father, thank you right now for peace, peaceful sleep, peaceful sleep. These minds being quiet. Quiet. Peace of God rest over them even in the name of Jesus. Sweet, sweet, peaceful sleep tonight. It's important, God. You know it's important for their health. And I declare that over them in Jesus' name. All fear, gone. Worry, anxiety, gone. Pushed out. Erased. Dissipated by the power of the peace of Almighty God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.